The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Welcome to it. Welcome to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. But you knew that already. Heck, you downloaded it. You've got me sitting right next to you. All you got to do is look down a little bit and see Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. And uh, we've got I've got some fascinating stuff for you today, some stuff that just uh, amazes me. I can't believe every day, you know, every day you and I get together and there's more stuff that happens and it's just like I, I have a I have a fat pile that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. No, not not like me. That's not a fat joke. I'm talking about the actual story fat pile. I got it. But then with the new stuff on top of that, it's almost like you don't have time to exercise. You just get fatter and fatter. No, not like no, no, no. It isn't. It isn't like me at all. But anyway, this man. How many times have you dreamt of? You know, we've talked about it a bunch over the past few years of finding packages along the side of the road and not being able to stop. You know, having to stop when you see them and feeling bad when you don't. Lived in Florida and you want to, you want to. Uh, Hope that something washes up on the shore when you're walking on the beach. It never happens. And all of that. Well, then we, we talked about a guy who found some founding father documents not long ago by digging through a dumpster. He saw some books and he thought, oh, I'm just going to take the books. And he picks them up and he goes through them and it's founding father documents. And they trace it back to, you know, whoever had it before. And then it gets lost in the shuffle and then it ends up in a dumpster that this guy finds. Worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more. So this guy in Arizona, man, and I think this is where the guy found the Founding Fathers documents, too. Please look that up, Chris. I, I, now that I'm, I'm looking at the story, I'm pretty sure the guy that found the Founding Father documents in the dumpster was in Arizona. Might not have been Phoenix, but it was in Arizona. So this Arizona man stumbles upon a historical documents in a Phoenix suburb in an abandoned storage unit for 20 bucks. And I kind of like the Storage Wars show. I don't know if you've ever seen the Storage Wars shows. And I kind of like the idea because it's, it's, it's a good idea. It's kind of, a, it's kind of a, like a, a flea market idea. You know, you go and you bid on the storage unit and then you hope to, you hope to find, you know, get the stuff out of the, out of the storage unit to make your money back. And, but it's, it's kind of, I don't know that that show is actually real anymore, so it's kind of disappointing. When I watch it, it feels like it's more scripted now than ever. Uh, But this guy uh, discovers a collection of about 200 letters belonging to uh, a Republican congressman from California from 1919 to 1993, this Henry Ellsworth Barbour. Now, Henry, I remember as a pretty nice guy. Uh, he was okay. I mean, he, he and I didn't get along much. We didn't see each other as often as I would have liked, so we lost touch. No, I never lived in his district. I never voted for him. Uh, but the, the the collection includes two letters signed by President Herbert Hoover, who was a fine president. I did vote for him. Uh, White House invitations from President Warren Harding. That guy. That guy. Warren G., and an invitation to groundbreaking ceremonies for the Golden Gate Bridge. How cool is that? He also found a congressional gavel 
that a 1933 letter says is made from wood used at the U.S. Capitol after it was partially destroyed when the British set it on fire in 1814. Boy, I remember being so mad when they did that. Now, they're going to be sold at auction uh, tomorrow. Uh, so you have an opportunity to purchase them. I don't know if uh, maybe we ought to send this over to, you know, over to the guy that buys artifacts. Uh, there's a couple people around this building that uh, like to buy uh, artifacts, and uh, we probably should probably should send that to him. I mean, that <laughs> you, have, you have David Barton and Glenn Beck's email address? Okay. Because, I mean, I have some. Do you have their actual private ones? Not the ones that they not the ones that they give out to people like you. Tickets at theblaze dot com. Yeah, no, that's not it. But send it there anyway. But I'll send it. <laughs> we'll send it to, to David and Glenn because they actually. I know that I know that they talked about. I don't know if Glenn's going to be able to do it. David will probably be able to do it because I know Glenn is on his uh, uh, ocean tour in the in the canoe with. Uh, it's up online somewhere with the on the with the the GoPro. Uh, it's just him uh, paddling across the across the Pacific or the Atlantic, one or the other, and uh, he's out there. So you can, might be able to find it. Anyway, that, I, I, see, that's I, I'm never gonna. That's why I save stuff. I, see, that's the that's the hoarding mentality. It's going to be worth something, and it never is. It never is. I could throw out my garage. I know you, we've talked about this before. I could, I could just my whole garage is just set in the middle of the road and set it on fire, and I'd be bummed. And then a year from now, somebody would go, "Hey, do we have this?" And I'd say, eh, "You know what? We used to. We lost it in the fire, and we go get another one." Instead of keeping it, what happens now is you keep it, and hey, do we have one of these? Yeah, uh, it's in the garage somewhere, so we just go buy another one. But you still have it. This way, if I just set it on fire, at least I have an open space in my garage. But you do, it is another way to hope for something being worth a lot of money in the future. Just like uh, the lotto, I know, hey, look, I didn't win. That's why I'm here. But uh, no one won the Powerball uh, last night. So it's up to $430 million, uh, probably more, by Saturday. And the Mega Millions, no one won. Remember that we talked about that yesterday. So that's still hanging around nine hundred million for tomorrow night's drawing. Uh, amazing. And we also talked about that's still not the biggest, right? I mean, it could end up being that if uh, uh, if no one wins, but it's pretty close. I mean, it might jump up because the record prize was two thousand sixteen at one point six billion. This is nine hundred million. Oof. Cash payout of five hundred and thirteen million dollars. What could you do besides paying a few tax bills with five hundred and thirteen million? They give you five hundred and thirteen million. So you've already paid a bunch of taxes. You've got to do what the guy did. You gotta set up the trust funds. You gotta put that ticket in whatever safe box you have. Be nice if you had a Liberty Safe. I do have a Liberty Safe. But if you don't have a Liberty Safe, you may want to go buy one and put that ticket in that Liberty Safe and then wait until you have all your ducks in a row and go cash it in because it would be well worth. It'd be well worth the investment getting a Liberty Safe to put that ticket in. Keep that ticket 
right in your hand until the Liberty Safe is delivered to your home. This isn't even a commercial for Liberty Safe. Should be. Come to think of it, LibertySafe.com. No, I'm just <laughs> I love my Liberty Safe, though. I do. I have a, and this is going to come as a surprise to you. Like they have the big ones, the, the, the Lincolns. Yeah, the largest one I think is the presidential. Well, I, I have a, uh, a fat boy because at the time that we were doing uh, commercials for uh, Liberty Safe, ha, 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 let's be funny and give Jeffy a fat boy. However, they can be funny all they want. That's a damn nice safe. It is really nice safe, and I'm happy and proud to have that Liberty Safe in my home. And that's where my winning ticket will go until I get all my ducks in a row. I'll tell you that right now. Now, another story that's fascinating me today is a, a man in North Carolina. I'll just read you the headline because uh, then we'll talk a little bit about the story. North Carolina man blows arm off with booby-trapped shotgun. So this isn't the first time that something like this has happened. All right. There was a guy in Texas not long ago that did the same thing. And what happens is, so he calls 911. And he says uh, uh, he was reportedly hit by his own shotgun uh, when the contraption he created misfired. Now, I didn't misfire, okay? That's uh, not really true. He went to try to feed the squirrels through the back door, and he had, the, he had it booby-trapped to the door, and he shot himself with it. He called 911 and said, I just blew my arm off. Please hurry, I'm going to die. Then they hear someone say, uh, I'm in the driveway, I've got it, we've got it, uh, they put a tourniquet on, and the, the uh, sheriff's deputy used a tactical tourniquet on Smith, according to the news outlet. So he explained that he had a tripwire so that his shotgun would go off if someone tried to break into his home. All right. He opened the door to feed some squirrels, and it went off and blew his arm off. Now, that stinks. I mean, that's no fun. It's no fun. But when they were talking to the man, he said, uh, look, uh, the effing squirrels did me in. They're taking him to the hospital. <laughs> the effing squirrels did me in. No. No, not really. You did yourself in. Uh, by booby-trapping the back door and uh, shooting your arm off. Now, there was a guy in Texas not too long ago, just a month or so ago, that did the same thing. Now, he did. this guy oh, shot himself. He didn't lose an arm. But he had the whole house booby-trapped with, with guns and explosives because it had been broken into, and he was tired of having people break into his home. So he booby-trapped all these doors, and he screwed up, and one went off and shot him. So he calls 911, and the police come, and the police, he's trying to tell them, look, the house is wired and booby-trapped. Don't be going in there. And one officer went in, and one of, another thing fired off, and I guess the officer got hurt. He wasn't, it wasn't life-threatening, but another officer got hurt. Well, he told you that it was booby-trapped. Duh. I hope they don't charge him for that. I mean, I, they probably, you're probably breaking the law by having... Uh, Guns ready to go off when somebody opens the door and explosives ready to go off. <laughs> so I'm reading this story. And then there's a video news story of a guy who has had packages stolen on his front porch. Right? Okay. The Amazon thieves. 
or UPS thieves or FedEx thieves. You know, they follow them around and drops a package off at the front door. Somebody runs up, takes the package, throws it in the car and goes. And they don't even care what's in the package, right? They just want the packages. It's a matter of, uh, you know, you get enough packages, sooner or later you're going to get something worth something. So this guy has had this happen too many times. So he set up a camera and he puts a box out on his front porch that has an explosive device in it. It's not something that explodes to hurt anybody. It's like a shotgun shell that explodes and makes this giant like it's a shotgun going off. But it doesn't shoot anything. It's just just a noise. So he's got a videotape of one girl running up to his porch and picking up the box. And it goes off. And she straps the box and screams and goes running back to the car. And he's like, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully that'll be the last time they try to take packages from my porch. And uh, by the way, uh, maybe they should just get a real job instead of stealing from hardworking people. I mean, I loved him. I thought that was a, a, hello, tremendous idea. Now, if you're a thief and you run up to someone's house, a potential thief, you know, accused, and you run up to somebody's house and you say, hey, there's a box, I'm going to take the box, and you pick up the box and it explodes, with the explosive device inside, doesn't know nothing. There's no shrapnel, anything like that. It just makes this giant exploding sound like a shotgun shell going off. And then you have a heart attack. Can you sue that guy for doing that? I think you can't. I mean, in today's world, you could sue anybody for anything, no question. But I, I don't know that you'd lose that case. I don't think you would. You could make the argument that you, the package you thought was yours. I was going up there. I picked it up to see if it was mine, whose name was on it, and it blows up and it gives me a heart attack. Uh, you owe me a lot of money for that. Or now that the news is out that your house is the one that has the box that explodes and doesn't hurt anything, that's the house you go steal from. Yep, it exploded, but I still took your package. Okay, so... For many years, we've seen giant pieces of ice crash off of uh, icebergs, and we've seen videos of giant pieces of slabs of ice breaking off. I find it fascinating that there's not a lot out there when you go back and look on actually hearing them break off and fall. There's people out watching them. Uh, One in particular that was just a few years ago, they were so happy and so uh, proud to be out there, and it's a giant piece of ice that falls off. Only you can hear the ice crashing into the water and you watch this big block of ice, you know, just tons of ice fall into the water and shoot back up. But you hear a little bit of that in the background as the guy's filming. But really what you're listening to is their boat motor going the other direction. Go, 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 go. I mean, because you when that baby starts to come down, it'll be somewhere else. But we have new audio now. Uh, they buried 34 seismic monitors in the snow atop the Ross Ice Shelf in 2014. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the Ross Ice Shelf, but it's gorgeous this time of year. I mean, I, we just got back from a trip to the Ross Ice Shelf. I mean, who who doesn't want a vacation at the Ross Ice Shelf? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be, you know, we're thinking of burying 34 seismic monitors uh, at the Ross Ice Shelf. Volunteers? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to be right here. I'll tell you where to bury them. I'm good right here. So they recorded, uh, you know, obviously they've been recording from the monitors and, uh, you know, video and audio. But uh, 
What is fascinating is they have released what the Antarctic ice shelf sounds like. Now, for those of us that vacation there, this is old hat. You're like, you're like, oh yeah, this is when we're in the tent. This is what it sounds like as we're pitching the tent. Yeah, you know, you're laying there trying to sleep at night. <laughs> uh, this, you know, the Antarctic noise happens. You're trying, oh my gosh, knock it off. I'm trying to sleep, right? But here, <laughs> obviously, what you just heard is sounds from the Ross Ice Shelf. That's what it sounded like the first time we went. And, uh, you know, nobody got any sleep. You're struggling. So the next time we went, we all brought noise-canceling headphones so that you could sleep at night. Because, I mean, you can't. That's just. Everybody go to bed now. Yeah, I can't sleep. No, it's time to go to bed. Get to sleep. I mean, that, that's kind of scary. Now, it could be a Transformer buried. I know that we buried, uh, you remember the old movie, The Blob? We buried the blob in the ice. Could be the blob trying to come back to life. It could be, we found Captain America buried in ice. It could be... Uh, <laughs> Right? Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier buried in ice. They dug them out. I think we've had Transformers dug out of ice. We've had all kinds of things frozen in ice. I mean, it could be frightening. It could be dinosaurs down. It could be a herd of dinosaurs down there screaming to get out. Screaming to get out. Uh, 2000. Uh, what was the movie? Uh, uh, 2012? Yeah, that's, that's the Art Bell movie, by the way. That's from his book. Great movie. I love that stupid movie. With the, with the five giant winter hurricane storms coming and Quaid has to go rescue his son in New York, the Manhattan Library. That library was not right across the street from where we used to work in New York. That's not possible to do what they were doing, but I, it's just a movie. But one of my favorite lines from a, from a movie is in that movie. <laughs> the, the, the scientist. No, not, no. No, nothing is, is as good as what's-her-face from Volcano. Uh I can't even remember her stupid name. Wow. It's like, what's her stupid name? The old girlfriend of uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, come on. You know what? It, anyway, you know who it is. But she had, I mean, that's her line, right, from Volcano. Wow. Good stuff. But the scientist, uh, the main scientist that's uh, at the monitoring station uh, calls Quaid when the storms start, uh, when it starts happening. And they had just got done talking about the climate change ending the world and everything. And uh, he calls Quaid and he goes, it's happening. I love it. <laughs> it's happening. I mean, that definitely is not as good as uh, Anne Heche. That's her name from Volcano. And wow. But those two lines, tremendous. Almost as <laughs> so many good one. 
one-line scenes. Like, I mean, just one-word lines. He's like Harrison Ford from uh, the movie Witness. Old old movie, 100 years old now, Witness. But he, there's, a, there's a scene in there where he turns to his sister. Just do it. Great line. We should just do an episode of that. Come to think of it. Chris, put this on the calendar. We need to do this. We can go through and just do my favorite one word or one line scenes from films. We got to have Anne Heche. Wow. Got to have uh, the scientist guy from the global warming. I think it's 2012. It's happening. Harrison Ford, just do it. Uh, Armageddon, that, that's too much of a classic. We just have to play the whole movie to play lines from that movie. Today's podcast, Armageddon, roll. Um, I mean, that's one of the best movies of all time. There's no, please, Armageddon. It, it truly is a documentary on how to save the earth. Hello. Um, so if you have any lines that you want to add to the uh, podcast, we'll, we could make it a Saturday podcast maybe of uh, of favorite movie lines. Uh, send it. You can either email me, uh, chewingthefatattheblaze.com, or just uh, you know hashtag chewingthefat with, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram with uh, favorite movie lines. And we'll go through and we'll break them up because there's some really good ones. Uh, just one-liners, you know. Just I don't need a whole scene because there are some. Yeah, yeah. We don't need scenes. We already know Armageddon. We could just play the whole movie. Coming to America, we could just play the whole movie. Because coming to America, the whole movie is lines. My son works. I mean, it's just there's. Who gonna clean up these flowers then? I mean, that whole movie is tremendous. There's, there's. I don't know that there's a scene in that movie that doesn't have a line that could be repeated. To go to go through and face life with, um, uh, and Armageddon is almost the same way, almost the same way. So, uh, hashtag, hashtag chewing the fat, or you can email me at uh, chewing the fat at theblaze.com And to quote Harrison Ford from the movie Witness, just do it. Let's go to the water cooler. I need some water, but that Coke Zero is good. I know we're running long. I get. I'm sorry. I, I just I have to. I've been dying to get to this story, and if I don't do it now, we'll just never get to it. It's the Alec Baldwin ABC talk show debut that aired uh, on Sunday, and a I, I realize that you're saying to yourself, wait. Alec Baldwin has a talk show on Sunday nights? I know. Uh, B, you're saying to yourself, Alec Baldwin has a talk show on Sunday night? Yeah, he does. And he started off with a bang. I mean, you don't get much bigger than than Alec Baldwin doing a talk show on ABC. And so he got two A-listers from Hollywood, uh, Robert De Niro and Taraja Henson. And look, I, you know, you don't get much bigger than that, right? Now, you're saying to yourself, how did Alec Baldwin get those two A-listers? I know. I don't know either. Maybe because he's Alec Baldwin. If you ask Alec, he'll tell you, it's because I'm Alec Baldwin. Now, 
let's be okay. Before we talk about how bad the show did, uh, let's talk about the show itself. The production was pretty good. It was a kind. I mean, it was really cool how they did it. They went old school with some ABC production. They did some animated drawing kind of thing for some of the interview because they realized halfway through that it was Alec just talking to Robert De Niro and his two old guys facing each other in chairs and they realize and they realize holy crap we need to do something to save this so they drew pictures on the screen really fast and turned them into cartoon characters really fast so that you had something else to look at other than these two old guys yapping about how smart and how rich and how much they travel the world and their funny stories <laughs> as they're eating dinner at a restaurant in france between movie shoots <laughs> i mean they're just elitist bastards is what they are there's no question about it and the one, how Alec Baldwin gets away with it, I don't know. I mean, he's Alec Baldwin, obviously, I know. But he's telling a story about about being in France. And they're, he's talking about this Danny Aiello scene. Who was, they were, he was filming a film with his wife at the time. You know, obviously the ex-wife. Now, you know, what's her face? Uh, Kim Bessinger. And, who's still, by the way, looking pretty good. But he's talking about, and they're in France, and he's talking about Danielle getting all angry at uh, another Hollywood actress and yelling and screaming, and he goes from zero to 80 in like three seconds. And then they're at some elite hoity-toity restaurant, and uh, some mobster guy comes over and says, hey, he wants to talk to you, Danny wants to talk to you. And they go over, and he talks to him, and he talks about it, he goes zero to 80, and he's talking about what he did to Danny and how they get over it. And in the conversation, Alec is like, these guys, they don't get over anything. They're holding a grudge. And I'm thinking... These guys, what, what these guys, the mobsters, the gangsters, the Italians, you want to talk about people judging and racist. There you go. So anyway, and, I mean, the show, the set is good. This is just, it's just Alec, right? I mean, it's such a douche nozzle. He really is. And then there's De Niro, who's such a douche nozzle, just just nozzle and nozzle it's just agonizing it's it's really it's really it's almost like a car wreck i watched it i watched the show because it was like a car wreck i wanted to see what those two were going to do so then he's talking about uh like he's got like three or four kids now you know uh from the new wife right and remember i think he's been taking his meds because if you remember when he was on the New York streets going crazy, hollering at people and everything, that's when his wife was pregnant. And I think that was the first pregnancy of this wife. So I think he's she. And remember, he was going to leave Hollywood. Yes, that was a time when he was going to leave Hollywood. He'd had enough. He was going to move away. And I think it was because this wife put him back on the meds. And now he's been back on the meds. He's got two or three more new kids, four kids. Is that right? Ooh. And, uh, so he, and then he realized as he wanted to break away from Hollywood and be left alone and just start a new life away from everything, he realized that meant either working at Whole Foods or getting back into Hollywood and actually getting a job with pays the money so that he can feed the family. So guess what? He's back in Hollywood. And he's talking about sitting, watching his old shows um, with his kids and with his three-year-old. And he jokes around. And he says, "Ha ha ha!" Uh, he's t- I watched Boss Baby. They're talking about watching shows and what shows kids can watch and what they've done in the past. And 
what's different in Hollywood now. Just being just elitist talk. It's just elitist chit chat. That the same the same elitist chit chat you'd have at any Maison Bleu as you're sitting there waiting for the pastry to arrive. Just. I'm famous, me. And so he says, you know, the kid was while they were watching uh, uh, Boss Baby, uh, which, by the way, I don't know if Alex knows, but it, uh, you know, it's uh, animated and uh, the lines were not his. And uh, it's just him reading lines. Um, He's doing that as Alec Baldwin. Uh, so, I mean, they paid him to be Alec Baldwin, right? And by the way, if they need someone to read some of those lines in the future, I'm here. I can be just as funny as Alec reading those lines. I'll tell you that. But he talks about his kid, his three-year-old, turning to him and saying, oh, that's really funny, Daddy. You're really funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, that three-year-old. Knows that if he says uh, anything but ha, 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 daddy, you're really funny, this could happen. Hey, I want to tell you something, okay? And I want to leave a message for you right now. Because again, it's 10.30 here in New York on a Wednesday. And once again, I've made an ass of myself trying to get to a phone to call you at a specific time. She's 12. When the time comes for me to make the phone call, I stop whatever I'm doing, and I go and I make that phone call. It's embarrassing for me to stop and have to call my child. And if you don't pick up the phone at 10 o'clock at night, and you don't even have that goddamn phone turned on, I want you to know something, okay? I'm tired of playing this game with you. I'm leaving this message with you to tell you, you have insulted me for the last time. He believes that. You have insulted me. You don't have the brains or the decency as a human being. I don't give a damn that you're 12 years Ooh, old or 11, 11 years old. He doesn't even know how old she is. Or that you're a child or that your mother is a thoughtless pain in the ass. Kim Bassinger. what you do as far as I'm concerned. You have humiliated me for the last time with this phone. Ooh. And when I come out there next week, I'm going to fly out there for the day just to straight you out on this issue. I'm going to let you know just how disappointed in you I am. But I'm telling you, he believes that and believed it then. 100%. Now, that daughter, that was a long time ago, right? His daughter is out with Justin Bieber now uh, doing her own thing. This guy with the Biebs doing the party. And she's for What do you mean? Who am I? What do you mean I'm not cool? I just, I know that what I know, I know pop culture. What are you talking about? That's the daughter that's out with Justin Bieber. You know, the Biebs. <laughs> that's why I call him that. Because nobody does. It's just me and me and JB. You know, me and the babes. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I could go on. It was that's another another twenty minute joke. But uh, anyway, that's the daughter. She's forgiven him and all that. But that's why that three year old is saying, "Dad, you're so funny." Ha ha ha. He doesn't want to end up like that, right? So then as we're going through this show, and it's agonizing, and Taraj, remember Taraj, she's, she's actually kind of nice, and she's beautiful, and she's really good, I enjoy her work, and she, remember she's actually turned around, right? She hollered at the police in California for arresting her son, she was all pissed off about that, and telling how bad the police were, and then they realized, um, Taraj, your son's at fault, and here's the video, and you're wrong. She turned around about face, 
instead of sticking to her guns, I mean, she apologized and said it was her fault and she's got to stop looking at things that way. I mean, she, it was, I, I give her a lot of credit for that. So, you know, that was, it was, it was, it was a fascinating interview. That having been said, which leads you into, you can't listen to anything Alec Baldwin without thinking about the classic radio episode with Alec and Ivan. When can we take some calls, Ivan? Whenever we want. Do we, do we, do we have calls that are on there now? Do no calls, calls yet. No calls, no yet. calls yet. What number do people call to get on the air, Ivan? Do we have that number? It's right there. <clears throat> oh, do I have it's the right call there. number in front of me? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, uh, no, you're not. That's no, interesting. Not interesting. Do we have any calls yet there, Ivan? No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. <laughs> Is Sean Hannity... <laughs> A Scientologist. Okay, now I want to stop that for just a second because we I just heard that we've played this a thousand times. Pat's played it a bunch. I mean, we just we just lied. it's such a good piece of audio because it shows how much he thought radio was going to be so easy and people were just going to call because Alec Baldwin was on the air. I'm in Philadelphia. I'm a PhD, and it's a Sunday night, and people are going to call. I'm Alec Baldwin. There's I don't have to. I don't need anything. I just show up. And it's a radio show, and I can say, hey, I'm Alec Baldwin, call. Doesn't work that way. Radio doesn't work that way. And he found that out. Now, one of my favorite parts of that whole thing is Ivan. Ivan is a rock star to me. All right, now I know that's inside radio, but Ivan is a rock star to me. And we've talked about it before, but I mean, that is, that really is kind of me and Glenn Beck uh, in the first days together not liking each other, although Ivan is just doing what he's told. Um, and I don't, I'll, we can talk about the Glenn Beck story some other time. But Ivan is just doing what he's told, and he's pissed. He doesn't want to be there. He's, it's a Sunday night. He was told by the bosses, I need you there. Alec, we've got Alec Baldwin coming in to do a show. We need you. You're Ivan. You're the man. You're a PhD. you got to be there. you got to make sure everything runs smooth. Just give him what he needs. Just give him what he needs. You don't have to do anything extra. Just give him what he needs. Show him how things work. Do the do the show for Alec. So he's already, he don't want to be there. And so he's already told Alec, you know when Alec got there, he walked him in and he sat him down and he said, you have a phone number here. Here's the phone number for you. Microphone's here. On and off button here. Uh, when the phone calls come up, they're going to be up on the board there. I'll put them up on the board. He's looking across at Ivan. And he looks across at Ivan. He heard zero of what Ivan told him. Zero. So, and he looks down and he realizes that he's already announced that Alec Baldwin, me, is on the air. And no one wants to talk to me. I'm telling you, it's Sunday night. I'm Alec Baldwin on the radio in Philadelphia. And no one wants to talk to me. So, he asked Ivan, is there any phone calls yet? And Ivan, you know, you can, I can feel it. I know Ivan just leans forward into the mic and turns on no calls yet. I mean, that's tremendous. He does it on the air because he wants people to know there's nothing happening and I'm involved. I don't want to be here, but I'm turning on my microphone, letting you know, nope, no calls yet. When can we take some calls, Ivan? Whenever we want. Whenever we, we, we want. Calls that are on there now? No, calls, calls? Yet. no, no calls, calls, calls yet. No calls yet. Remember I told you they'd be up on the board if somebody called? No calls yet. Okay. Is there a phone number that somebody could call? Yeah, it's right in front of you. Right there in front of you. Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Are you? No, you're not. But the thing that we just heard, I oh my gosh, I was so in love. It makes me love Ivan even more. 
I want to know who Ivan is. Ivan, my name is Jeff Fisher. Contact me, chewingthefat at theblaze.com. Hashtag chewingthefat at Twitter, Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. Jeff Fisher Radio on Instagram. Jeffy MRA on Twitter. Please. Uh, you don't even go on the air. I just want to talk to you off the air. You're my hero. I love you. Because he is that is tremendous board hopping of hate, of doing his job, doing his job 100%. He did not do anything wrong. But the second time, when Alec asks him, is there any phone calls yet? No. No. So he's, Ivan's already leaned back. All right. He's leaned back away from the mic. It's, it's part of, it's what you're, I mean, it's just a, a comfort level of radio. So he's leaned back because Alec has started talking. He's waiting for a call. He's going to answer the phone. And Alec, all, you know, is there any phone calls yet? I've, so as he's leaning back up to turn the microphone on, Alec already answered him. Oh, no, no, because he's shaking his head, right? He's leaning forward to the mic, leaning his head like, nope, there's no calls yet. But he hasn't turned his mic on yet. So Alex, so I, I'm so, you know, it goes on. But in the background now, by the time he gets to the microphone, and has shake, you know, he's already shook his head. No, Alec has moved on a little bit, but Ivan is laughing with the mic He's laughing out loud at him. Anybody calls yet, there, Ivan? No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. <laughs> is Sean he Hannity? At him. He's laughing. It's so great. Oh my gosh, I had not heard Ivan's laugh before. He's laughing. We have no calls yet. Oh no, 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 I'm so sorry. He laughs, out, chuckles, and then is Sean Hannity a, a, a Scientologist? He laughs behind that out loud with the microphone on. Try, listen, just one more time, just one last listen. Oh. Interesting. Do we have any calls yet, there, Ivan? No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. <laughs> is Sean Hannity a Scientologist? <laughs> this is two tremendous laughs behind Alec. Oh my gosh, I love it. And. <laughs> Those two right there is so good. I, I love it. I can't believe I hadn't heard those before. <laughs> All that, and I really wanted to talk about how bad the ratings were for the show, but Ivan, call me.